Hello and welcome to Season 3 of The Century Plan, a podcast that looks at financial independence, how to achieve it and how to maintain it during a lifetime that may see people retiring today living to age 100. Hosted by me, Dennis Hall, Chartered Financial Planner and owner of Yellowtail Financial Planning. And me, Sarah Steele, Operations Director at Yellowtail and Technical Controller on this podcast, here to ask questions on behalf of you, our listeners. So here we are, Dennis, episode one. It's good to be back. How was your break? Restful. Good. (laughs) It's what you needed. Yes, definitely. Okay, good. Well, now that we're back and raring to go, um, we're going to reaffirm the aim of the Century Plan, which is to talk about achieving and maintaining financial independence, and this is the important bit, over a lifetime, which may now see us living to 100. Yes, and to be clear, that's potentially a 30 to 40 year period where whatever wealth, capital savings, etc., that an individual has built up that needs to support them once they stop working. And it's those assets that that have got to start bringing in their income. Now, let's not get fixated on age 100, by the way. I mean, I know we call it the century plan. You know, this is important that people are going to live into their 80s or into their 90s. At some point, they're going to accumulate or they need to accumulate a sum of money to support them. So if you're just thinking to yourself, well, I'm not going to live to age 100, this doesn't apply to me. Or I don't want to. It does. Well, (laughs) there is that as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it does apply to people not just living to 100 because it's it's just really that sort of 80s, 90s that, that we're looking at as well. Um, and just to back up what we're talking about, I've been looking at some recent data that talks about how long people are living at the moment. So, so retirees who live until 100, which I know we're saying we're not fixating on, would need double the amount of pension savings compared to those who live until they're 80 So already you can see there's a big difference. Anyone that retires at 66, which is the current state pension age, um, and lives until they're 80, will need 215,000 in their pension pot um, in order to have what we'd call a moderate retirement. And those, but those who end up living into their 10th decade, so anything above 90, would need a pension pot the size of 450,000 pounds. So that's 109% more than if you died at 80. When we talk about a moderate retirement, we're not talking about lavish, that's the point of it. There's, there's data that tells us what a moderate retirement looks like. And for a single person, that would be an income of around 23,000 pounds a year, a sort of higher rate of financial security and flexibility. But, you know, again, nothing lavish, £74 a week on food. Um, You can replace your three-year-old car every 10 years. And if you want to go on holiday, um, which a lot of people do want to do in their retirement or or travel, then that would afford you, say, two weeks in Europe and a a long weekend in the UK every year. And and if you were buying people birthday presents, then you could spend £34 for each birthday. Um, <laughs> well, it depends on how many people you know. I suppose it does. I'm not entirely sure where that um, figure comes from, but it gives you an idea. And I think that's all it gives you. I mean, I, I often question these sort of surveys where people come up with very exact amounts for how much they have in their pension pot. But as an idea, you know, as a sort of a, an indication of the size, whether it's 215,000 or 450,000 or half a million, whatever, it's giving you an indication that you know your your pension pots have, have really you've got to be building up substantial amounts of money 
to have modest retirement. And if you want more, you've just got to start putting more away yeah. and, ex and making it earn more whilst it is locked away. And that, I think, is one of the things we're trying to do with this, with this podcast. Give people those, I suppose, financial planning hacks to, to help them get there and to feel confident and secure that that's happening. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're really talking a lot about longevity risk, which is the risk of basically outliving your money. And what we're reading is that a lot of people don't know about longevity risk. Um, and of course, that presents a lot of implications for their finances. So that's something else we're going to be talking about today is if you if you're thinking about this and you're you're worried about this, you know, who who do you need to go and see? Who do you need to talk to? Clearly, we need to be working on a financial plan that provides us for, you know, 30 to 40 years to be safe. Who can help us with that? Is it is it a financial planner? Is it a financial advisor, a wealth manager? Uh, that's a question I'm asked all the time. I don't know if you are, Dennis. So what is the difference? I know you've written an article on this recently. You just yes, I was just about to say <laughs> I've written an article on this just recently, which uh, which has gone on to uh, our website and and onto LinkedIn. It's confusing, isn't it? Yeah. You know that uh, there are an array of titles that advisors use and, and identify with. Um, the most common, perhaps, are financial advisor, independent financial advisor, financial planner. But I've seen all kinds of things like. Um, uh, investment advisor, financial architect, all right. you, you, know, you, just, you know, and with no sort of legal definition as to what each of those things are, you're kind of wondering where do they fit and should I be using them? Well, exactly. And I think if we just focus on the most common, financial advisor and financial planner, hmm. and my, in my experience, advisors, and I'm using that as a sort of a collective term for all of them, will almost self-identify based on the type of work they do and the way that they approach that work. And both approaches are appropriate for the kind of people they're dealing with. You know, this is not saying one is better than another, but it's, you know, um, and we can sort of talk about that. I choose to identify as a financial planner. Okay. Um, and I know a lot of people who do incredibly good work for their clients will style themselves as financial advisors. So we can perhaps talk a little bit about what that is. And as I say, these are my perceptions, having been almost 40 years working in financial services, doing different types of work and listening to you know my, my colleagues and peer group. And what I think a financial planner is doing, um, and a lot of that is driven from what used to be called the Institute of Financial Planning, some of the work that the Personal Finance Society do through their chartered financial planner designation or the chartered institute of securities and investments with their certified financial planner designation there's a it's putting the planning at the heart of the work we do before anyone starts looking at individual financial products and solutions so it's it's perhaps more in depth it's taking a step back from the money per se and saying let's see what you're trying to achieve let's put a long time timeline on that you know we'd like to put age 100 on that mm -hmm. and see how the money needs to work and how it needs to flow and when we can understand all of those things we can begin to design the 
financial portfolio that, that's around there. So that's financial planning. It has planning at the heart. Yeah. I think financial advisors are often called in to deal with specifics. And as I said, there's probably a huge grey area where these two titles collide, where they do very similar jobs. But I think the financial advisor is saying, well, you know, someone comes in and say, well, I've just, I need to sort out my pensions. You know, I've got a whole array of pensions from previous work and I just kind of want to simplify my life. And a financial advisor can take a look at that. They're still going to have a kind of an overview of everything you're trying to achieve, but they're not going to look at planning of your life as a central sort of platform. They're going to be saying, well, you've got a bunch of pensions here. Some of them are costing this much. Some of them are costing that much. Some of them have got these features, but not those features. What's important to you? Let's consolidate them and put them there. Some financial advisors have got things like mortgage qualifications, and you may be someone who's coming up to a remortgage and saying, I don't want you to deal with anything else in my life, but I need to remortgage my property or um, you know, a first-time buyer coming and saying, I need to do this. Or somebody else who's just coming in the early stage of their career and life saying, I need to get something in place, I need to start saving money. And my needs are not complex enough right now to start spending a lot of time and a lot of money on planning because so many things are going to change in my life. Just get me on the path. Okay. And I think that's what a you know, decent financial advisor is going to do. Okay, so million dollar question, is it better work to work with a financial planner or a financial advisor? I think it depends on where you are in your life and what it is you're trying to achieve because they're both going to be working for you and for your good. There are lots of clients I, or potential clients I choose not to work with because it's just not right for them. They're not going to get value for money going through the kind of exercises that I would take them through. It would be a waste of their money because it wouldn't advance them very far. Okay. Whereas they, if they went to a financial advisor and, and just said, look, as I was saying earlier, I need to get on the savings and investments path, just help me get on there. Then that's, you know, that's the way to do. But somebody who's got a lot of complexity, they built up a, a lot of assets, they're beginning to think about retirement and are looking for some certainty around what's happening and whether they're going to achieve their objectives, then you begin to work with a planner. Okay. And, a, and the planner, in a way, the relationship may evolve over time to looking as though sometimes the work is, again, a, a bit like a financial advisor. You know, you've done the plan, you come back a year later, you might review that and say no changes, but we've got to do a specific piece of work. So again, the, the terms are kind of interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just to clarify then, when, when, or can you give me some examples of when I'd need to see a financial advisor, some sort of, you know, examples of what might be happening in my life that would take me to see an advisor? So, just got married, just got children, a new partner, you know, if there's, if someone is going to be um, impacted by, you dying or being unable to work, then you have an insurance need. Yeah. Financial advisors can deal with insurance needs very quickly. In fact, you've got a lot of very specialist advisors out there who only do that. We've mentioned mortgages. Um, we've mentioned people who may be you know, moving work and they want to join a company pension scheme. Um, and they may want to see that scheme's advisor. 
through mm-hmm. their through their firm oh, to right. say, you know, uh, yeah, I want to join the scheme. What are my options around the investments? Uh, if I put more money in, what's the impact of this on my retirement fund? I've got some old pensions. I want to bring those in. Is that you know that's a good time to speak to an advisor? It you know it's not necessarily looking at everything to do with your life, but it is you know making sure that you that whatever you are dealing with today is dealt with efficiently. Okay. And you're not just you know in old contracts throwing money away. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what about examples of when I'd come to see you or another financial planner? As I say, I think it's when people have got a bit more complexity in their life and they're beginning, in a way, to to consider the long-term effects of, of what's happening. And they all there will be a point in, in, in most people's lives when they stop working, ideally through choice, but not always, where they're going to stop working and have this sum of money. And they want to make some decisions about whether to... You know, if we're trying to build up a specific sum of money, how much should that be? Yeah. What's my number? Yeah. Um, if and if I can't achieve that by doing what I'm doing today, what things have I got to give up? Um, what quality of life do I want to live? So you're beginning to ask some slightly deeper questions than what's the best pension out there or yeah. what's the best mortgage out there. It's this is the life I think I want to lead. What decisions do I need to take in the round to help me get there? Um, and here are some things that might happen along the way. So where is the flexibility that I can build in? And give me a route that I can revisit on a fairly regular basis and check in to see that I'm doing the right things. Because, you know, externally all kinds of things can happen. Governments change tax rates. They change contribution rates to things like pensions and individual savings plans. The economy can tank, it can boom. Um, All kinds of things can happen that will can either fast forward you on your financial plan or put you back a few years. And you need somebody in your corner to help you make the right decisions when those things happen. Okay, that, yeah, that's a really good explanation. So once you've established who you need to see, how do you find the right one? How do you know who's the right person to speak Ooh, to? I don't know. Well, I say I don't know. Because <laughs> I there's, there's, do. <laughs> there's, there's, there's more than one route. Right. That's the, that's the thing. There's no one... You know, you can't just type in "give me the best financial advisor in the UK" on on the on the you know on on Google and, and be pointed in the right direction. Mm. Everyone's different. I find there's a lot of chemistry, personal chemistry involved in working with somebody, particularly if it's a long-term financial planning relationship you're building. You're going to be checking in with this person for decades, perhaps, mm. on a fairly frequent basis. If they're rubbing you up the wrong way, you can't be working with them over that time. Whereas you might forgive somebody who's just doing a one-off piece of work if they're a bit brusque or awkward with you, because if they're competent and they're doing the right job, you know, you don't have to see them again. Okay. So, so I mean, that's part of it. So word of mouth is quite important. Yeah. Who, lo- I mean, does it have to be local? Not necessarily no. with communication tools today, but... Who do people around you, who do, who are they working with? What sort of feedback are you getting from them? You can go online and, and look at things like uh, their websites, their blog posts and such like to see if they're talking in a language and a style that you like and that you can work with. You know, are you on the same page philosophically? There are directories that, that are out there, but a lot of those people pay to be on. Mm. Um, and we're not on any directories like that. No, we just not. don't want to pay for, for leads. You know, no. We'd rather people find us through good word of mouth um, or just 
being active locally, for example. Yeah. Um, so there are many, many ways, but I think you've just got to ask the question yeah. uh, from, from people who are, might be in a similar position to you yeah. and have a similar outlook or philosophy or level of wealth to you. Yeah, I think a personal recommendation is particularly strong. I think a personal recommendation is strong, but be careful um, because, I mean, Bernie Madoff, Ponzi scheme, the yeah. US, biggest Ponzi scheme, that was a lot of personal recommendation. <laughs> hey, look, there's my advisor. He can get me 10% year in, year out. And look what happened. So many people lost their money. So if you're going to go for a personal recommendation, do a little bit of additional research and just think about why are they being recommended? Is it because they're recommend this person says they can get me with with no risk, 10% year in, year out? I mean, that should ring alarm bells, yeah. shouldn't it? It should. It should. Yeah. So, yeah, personal recommendation is good um, if they're recommending me. <laughs> and not so good Definitely if they're recommending good, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So from what I'm hearing here and from the point of view of our podcast, The Century Plan, the, the long-term planning that we're, that we're discussing and you know our long-term view and talking about retirement being 30 to 40 years, that, that kind of planning is, is and advice is more likely to be dealt with by a financial planner. I think so. I mean, the clue is in the name planning. And I, you know, you wouldn't embark on anything that was big and complex and complicated without any planning. If you're building a house, if you're constructing a car, if you're doing any big project that has you know, big implications, you're going to go away and do some planning first. If all you're trying to do with your house is change a door, well, you don't need to necessarily plan for that. Buy a new door, take the old one off, put a new one on. And, um, you know, you, my car is not going, but if I just put some petrol in it, it might. Bad analogy. I don't know. We, we haven't had an analogy for a while. <laughs> I was quite enjoying that one. I think that's good. Um, but, yeah, when you're dealing with something significant, long-term, implications for quality of life throughout your life, Spend time planning first, a lot of time planning. Um, I say a lot of time, it depends on what it is you're trying to do. Mm. But it's always good to plan. Yeah. And even a financial advisor is going to be doing some planning, yeah. really, okay. in order to help you get the best solution for whatever it is you're trying to do. Okay, all right. Now, it strikes me that, um, well, we started off the podcast with some figures that were... You know, not alarming, but perhaps some people might not have been aware of that we might be leaving our listeners feeling a bit concerned about the prospect of financing a 40 year retirement, um, especially if they've not done much about it yet. And um, Robin Powell, the financial journalist, referred this, to this as um, drifting into retirement, which I, I really liked. And I think a lot of people are doing that. So what could you do now if you you know you've listened to this podcast you realize you need to do something you're feeling a bit worried about it what can you do now to start the process i think you've just got to do something however small it is um it's look this weekend i went on a cooking course right you know i do this kind of thing from time to time yes and chef tutor you know we're having a chat what do you do i'm a financial planner Oh, I need to talk to someone about pensions. He said, I'm really, really upset. Uh, sorry, I'm really, really disappointed with what my pensions are doing. I'm a little bit worried. I'm of an age where I've got to start thinking about this. I need to take your details. I gave him the details. I'm going to send you an email. I said, just send me the email. Send me what you got. Have I heard anything? 
I'm imagining no. No, but all he <laughs> needs to do is just send and just send the email, so at yeah. least I can be on the case. Yeah. And anyone else, I think, it, it's that I don't want to go through the hassle of of gathering the data in, but you, in a way, you need to know where you are today. You know, at whatever age you are, you've accumulated some assets. One would expect, you know, whether that's some pensions that might be frozen in the background somewhere, some old savings accounts, maybe even some premium bonds. If all you do is just list out what you've got, it gives you a start to say, well, okay, I've I've made it this far. It's not as far as I need to be, but I've made it this far. Can I improve on this? Can I improve the things that I've got? Can I get a better rate of interest on my savings? Can I get a cheaper pension contract so that more of my money stays in my pocket? Am I investing the right funds for my long-term objectives? Or did I just get a bunch of funds that somebody else recommended because, or because yeah. that was the default fund in the scheme? Just get all these things together. And then if you don't know where to start, go and talk to a qualified professional and say, this is what I've got. And kind of thing I need to do something about it can you help me yeah just, that's just one step isn't it it's not complicated yeah great okay so just do something just do something because the next step will then automatically follow yeah.